Strategic Living with Brian Holmes, episode number 94, Seeing Beyond, an interview with my great friend, Gail McWilliams. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. My name is Brian Holmes. I am your host, and you have found the Strategic Living Podcast, where we are all about transforming minds, developing leaders, awakening dreams, activating destinies. We want to see you healed, your mind transformed and renewed. We want to see you become all that God has created you to be. It is going to be a just an incredible program today. I am so stoked, I can't hardly stand it. I have in studio my precious friends, Gail and Tony McWilliams. You're about to hear from her right now. I hope you're ready. Let's get started, everybody. Welcome again to the program. Awesome to have you with us today. It's always a privilege, always an honor to know that you are hanging out with us on this journey we call Strategic Living. I am so pleased today to have in studio with me someone who I have the utmost respect for. Uh, This is a person who is an incredible visionary, and you'll understand the significance of that in just a few moments. She's an author, a speaker, an internationally acclaimed speaker. She is a recording artist, has hosted television programs. She's an incredible teacher, a very powerful life coach. Our passion is developing leaders, and that's why I think we have so much in common. End of the day, this person has a testimony and a story that, quite frankly, is unlike anything I've heard before, and today we're going to get to share that with you. Before we do that, I want to say that we've got a number of important things coming up at the end of the program. Don't take off too quick. We've got some big announcements. We want to make sure you know about those, but right now, without further ado, let's go to our interview with my precious friend, Gail McWilliams. Gail, welcome to my studio. Hey, Ryan, this is so cool. Great job, by the way, buddy. Oh, thank you very much. It's just, I'm so pleased. I'm. You can't see this out there in podcasting land, but I am grinning from ear to ear because I'm excited. Gail's always grinning from ear to ear. She's always excited. And uh, it's just an honor to have you and your wonderful husband, precious friends of our family for many years in studio with us today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. Thank you for the honor. You know what? When the two of us get together, I don't know, when two visionaries get together... Hey, the sky's It's dangerous. Limit. Actually, when you when you and I get to talk, and it's, it can be very dangerous, but also it can be very uh, powerful because it's like uh, it's like things happen and ideas are birthed, and it's just wonderful. So I've been hoping to do this with you for a very long time. So it's awesome today. I I want to give our audience a little bit of a, a backstory. And by the way, I'm going to tell you up front: this is going to be two episodes. We're going to just take our time today. We're going to unpack whatever it is that is on our heart to talk about. And uh, But we're going to make this part one, part two, because I don't want to cut this short and cheat anybody out of the incredible wealth of wisdom and inspiration that you carry and the anointing and grace you have on your life. So 
let's start by who is Gil McWilliams and where do you hail from and, and what's what, tell us about you a little bit. All right. Well, originally I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in St. Louis, met my husband uh, sometime after high school and I was out on the road. I used to be known as a singer, made five albums. And, and she can sing, folks, let me tell you. You're kind. And used to travel around the United States doing that. And then I met my husband, who was also in full-time ministry. So God just put together two people who were pretty focused on serving people and making a difference in our culture. And um, here's really the background. Uh, Being raised in the Midwest, you know, that was perfect. That's where I learned how to speak. Then I moved to Texas in 2000. Oh, Brian, (laughs) I learned how to talk. I mean, really, I learned words like I ain't and can't and fixing. You know, I'd never heard of those words. And (laughs) y'all covers not only a multitude of people, but a multitude of sin. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And uh, one day I was challenged, though, when we first moved here to Texas. And a man said to me, Gail, when are you going to learn how to talk true Texan? And I said, well, what would that be, Bubba? And he said, (laughs) it's the word big O. You know, like park your big old truck on that big old tree and we'll have big old time. <laughs> and unfortunately, I use the word now all the time. But here's the good news. We got a big old God who's got a big old dream over us. Yes. So why would we live in a small box feeling like we're limited with any kind of challenge? That's exactly right. And challenges we have had, Brian, and you know the story well, that when I was a young girl, I had a childhood disease. And the doctors told me I'd never live to be 30 and I would never have any children. And I'm going to have a birthday Saturday, but um, I'm way over 30. Yes, you are. But hopefully I don't look that much over 30, but, and I have five children. My husband and I, Tony and Tony McWilliams and I have been married for 37 years. Wow. God God has blessed us with four daughters and a son. And the drama sort of continues because first of all, we beat the odds, right? God is the great physician who has the final answer. And I'm so grateful for that. But in the middle of having children, I had to make a really hard decision one day. And since that time, I've learned that life is all about choices. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to continue? or do you Yes. Want me to, okay. let, let me just tee the ball up for you here and say that uh, we are faced with difficult decisions many times in life. We are faced with choices. We are faced with crises and, and various challenges, as you mentioned a moment ago. And I I want this episode to be about encouragement and inspiration to someone who right now is facing a challenge. It doesn't have to be your challenge, Gail, or my challenge, but it has to be something that you recognize that when faced with these kinds of moments, know that God has a plan on the back end. So yes, I want you to tell us this part of the story because it's really where the journey for you, you guys began. Well, what you said, Brian, is so true because in the middle of when we think we can't go on, That's what I was talking about, that big old God that will help us in those times. So I was uh, pregnant with our second daughter, Lindy. I was nearly four months pregnant. And the doctors had detected something that they were concerned about that they'd seen in my eyes. So I went through a whole day of tests at a large hospital in in the Midwest. And at the end of this long day of grueling tests, I was sitting alone in the office when the doctor came in and surprised me. He said, Gail, you have to choose today between your baby or your eyes. Mm. I said, the choice is made. I choose my baby. The doctor stood up, slammed shut my folder and said, what a foolish decision. And he left the room. What was interesting, I was sitting alone and yet I wasn't alone. 
I'd been given sort of, I was sort of bullied into making the decision he wanted me to make. And yet, Brian, I was anchored to something that was greater than the decision I was even looking at. And it was about a verse that sprung up within me that really not only anchored me, but became my compass and the wind of my sail that day. And it was about choices that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life that you and your descendants might live. I knew I'd made the best choice, but I absolutely didn't know where the road would lead from that point. I had no idea the consequences. I had no idea what I would face, but I knew the giver of life, designer of life, sustainer of life, and the one who not only gave his son, Jesus Christ, for eternal life, but after this life, um, resurrected life. Wow. I knew life was the best choice. Yeah. And really, it was literally in my darkest hour that vision was birthed. And when you have vision, you can see in the darkest places of life. And let me say that to people listening today. It really isn't about what we see. In fact, I sort of grow weary with you visual people. You guys are high maintenance. (laughs) It's about vision. Yes. It's about vision that sees beyond. Uh, It's about not living life based only on what we see because that's limited, disappointing. But when we live with vision... Truly, the sky's the limit. So tell us, how, how did that begin to unfold? What, what were the, the days and the weeks like as you were uh, coming to full term with your second daughter and, and the process of all that unfolding? And what did you face at the end of that process? Well, I can truly say that there is something called grace that covers you mm-hmm. and also his peace that he gives to you in situations that you don't understand. He gives his peace that passes all understanding. But even then, Brian, I had some days that were pretty fearful. I had a lot of questions that I couldn't answer, but still kept going because I was part of this whole life process indeed. And I had to stay, you know, I had, I had to stay at, at a point where I could keep going. We also had, our first daughter, so I've got a three and a half year old running around and a brand new baby coming and then this verdict from the doctor. But what happened was Lindy was born and because of her birth, she often says that um, because of her, then Holly got to come, Lydia got to come and then Connor. So it wasn't just one choice for a baby. It was a choice for a whole family. Wow. So I give God the glory for that. But What we learned to do as a family over the years was talk through things. My world obviously became more about communication than pointing to things and visual, Mm -hmm. visual things that people most, that most people are driven by. The other thing we learned to work closely together as a family Mm. for jobs and chores. And I would become very creative. You know, there were times when I would find ways to do things with the children though I couldn't drive by that point. By the way, that's sort of a bummer. Um, I always struggled with, you know, who was going to call me to carpool the kids? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> was. You know, all the things that I heard other mothers uh, griping about, I longed to do. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, I have to run my children here and there. I'm like, I'd give anything to do that. So I had to make a decision early on that choosing life wasn't just about a baby. It was about an everyday decision. Was I going to choose life so that I could be a life giver to those around me? Was I going to try to tap into the Lord himself to find strength and empowerment? And let me add this, Brian. I personally believe that God is a healer today. 
Yeah. And that nothing's impossible with him. And I think sometimes that's where people get tripped up because they believe in a God who can do the impossible. And here they are on this other side where it looks like they're losing at every turn in the road. That was me. I was in the middle of this tension. What do I do with today? And I remember a particular day. It was after we'd had three of our children. They were small. They had left that day for school. Tony had taken them. And after they left, I closed the door. I leaned back against the door, just sighing. And then the tears just began to fall. And I kept thinking, how am I going to do this? I, I had started to lose even more eyesight with each birth. And I didn't think I could make it. I was in total despair. Maybe this will relate to someone else listening. I thought, how could I ever be the wife my husband needed? How could I ever be the mother my children needed? How could I represent a God who could do the impossible? And yet I didn't seem like I was his trophy of grace. Mm. And I remember walking upstairs to our bedroom, closing the door, laying on the floor with my head buried in the carpet, crying till I had no more tears. I cried for hours crying out to the Lord, help me make sense of something. It didn't seem fair. I was angry. I was disappointed. I was so afraid. This was not my agenda for my life. I just couldn't believe it. And then just the strength to carry on. What would I do? And after crying for so many hours, finally, I had no more tears. And I stood up in that room that day, spent emotionally, physically, and spiritually, And I remember suddenly thinking of Psalms 56, and it said, Lord, you saw me when I was tossing and turning in the night. Every tear I've ever cried, you kept in your bottle. But when I called on the name of the Lord, the tide was turned, and all my enemies began to flee. For this one thing I know, you're for me. Mm. And it was at that point I said, similar to Mary of long ago, be it unto me according to your word. And I do believe that in the middle of the tension of what we don't understand and yet trusting the Lord that the turnaround is coming, that really also was birthed the title for my first book, Seen Beyond, that God, through his mercy, helps us to see beyond the challenge. Sort of like the other day I was speaking in um, Colorado Springs. No, Steamboat, Colorado. And while I was there, it was amazing. There was this huge big window behind me. And the window behind me had the mountains and the skiers were coming down the mountain and, and the audience just had this incredible view as they were supposedly listening to me. And I just impulsively said, you guys are spoiled rotten. I said, you get this view every day. And several of them spoke up and said, but it's a cloudy day. And I said, that, that's what I'm talking about with you visual people. So what? The mountain has moved. It's just the clouds. And if we're not careful, that's all we focus on are the clouds. They roll in, but guess what? They'll soon roll out. Yeah, yeah. Everything we see is just temporal. It's subject to change without notice. But when we live with vision, especially tied in to the vision of the Lord, those things are eternal. And that's where I found my hope. That's where I found my stability. And actually, that's what's helped me get through it. And one more thing, Brian, if I can say this. The thing I've learned is tears don't negate faith and they don't negate hope. So you cry. So you've got a challenge. Keep going. Those clouds are about to move because you know why? We're focused. Our vision is set on the mountain of God that will not change. His promises are true. His love is steadfast. He is the light in the middle of our darkness. 
and he promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. Absolutely. You you mentioned something uh, in a couple of different places there about times when you had more questions than you had answers. You know, and I think we all have a tendency to to ask why me, why this, what am I going to do, why did this have to happen, you know, it, all those types of things. How did you, how did you process those, and how did you get beyond the the incessant need to, to even ask those things? Because some questions, frankly, never get answered. True. And so, how how did you? work through that what have you discovered about questions this is a great question it is you're a good question me. about questions yes <laughs> well here's the thing i decided that there's some things i don't have an answer for and i probably cannot find so would i spend all my energy in my life trying to find those answers or would i go on with my life knowing what i know to be true and this is one thing i knew to be true when i left my bedroom that day with a new uh, amount, it's like I walked out of sorrow and then was clothed into with grace, a wardrobe of grace. And the interesting thing is I still had the same questions. Nothing had changed. I couldn't see better. But it was about an um, attitude that had changed for me, a focus that had changed, that I realized that I've been dropped into a blind world. People who think they see everything and yet so limited. Right. People who have lost the potential, of seeing their own potential. And so what I began to do was take those questions and just sort of shell them. Because I believe this, when Jesus says he is truth, he is the way, he, he is the answer. Yes. In time, I'll know that. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep going. I like it when those, those guys got healed, called the lepers. Yeah. Jesus healed them. He touched them. But guess what? It was when they, as they were going, that they got healed. And so I decided that I would keep going. And in the middle of all that, keep trusting him. So one day I was thinking, what would a woman of hope do? What would a woman of faith do? And I got it. She put her car keys back in her purse. Because see, hope is always expectant. Hope always sees beyond any questions that we have that aren't answered. Hope is like being on your tippy toes, looking over this face that's at eye level. But when you get on your tippy toes, you can see beyond yeah. what's blocking your view. And you go, oh my gosh, there's more. And that's what hope will do. And so I decided to be anchored in hope that I would trust him because here's what I know. I refuse, Brian, to try to build my own world belief and philosophy around stuff I couldn't understand. Wow, that's powerful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of people do that. They say, well, I'm not healed, so therefore God doesn't heal today. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, that's not true. God, God is true. His promises are yes and amen. Do we understand how he does it? No. God has used doctors in my life. Thank the Lord for doctors and surgeons and all of that who've kept me alive. The deal is choose life. What do you have to do to stay alive? Yeah. Because God wants to use you in this hour. So that's what I did with my questions. Now, sometimes in the deep, deep, dark hours when no one was around, everyone was asleep, it's those questions that haunt you. Yeah. You think that you've been abandoned. And one day I was thinking, God, I feel like I'm in such a dark place. And I remembered Psalms 91, that we dwell under the shadow of the almighty God. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, we're not in a dark place. We're under a shadow. Yeah. And if we're under a shadow, he can't be far away. Exactly. Exactly. That's incredible. You, your book, Seeing Beyond, you, and you just mentioned this a moment ago, you, the, the subtitle or the tagline is choosing to look past the horizon. 
why why do you believe it is that we as human beings and and I speak to a broad audience some are Christians some are non-Christians some are you know somewhere in between maybe I don't know but why why is it the human condition that we tend to get fixated on what is just apparently right in front of us versus having as you say vision beyond the horizon why why is it so difficult for us to see beyond today for example well I'm thinking about a woman once who put a piece of paper in front of me and she put a little dot in the middle of the paper. And she said, what do you see? I said, the dot. She goes, how did you overlook all the wide open space? Wow. And you're right. We focus on the things that either we can't change, can't fix, and yet they seem to be something that we're tripping over. Why not focus on, such as what I said about the Colorado story, the mountain that doesn't move. Yeah. A God that's unshakable, immovable. That's what we're tied to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in time, we will know. Somebody asked me the other day, Gil, how can you have so much joy and you can't see? I said, how can you see and have no joy? Yeah. That's about a choice. It is. How can you choose to love? How can you choose to have faith? We have to really have discernment. What are we choosing? Because this is what I found out too. Everything that I'm choosing today impacts the next generation. Oh, yes, it does. You know, the doctor that day thought it was a foolish decision that I chose my daughter. What he didn't know is that was our firstborn daughter. And she and her husband, Ryan, have given to us three incredible children. See, what we must have is a vision for generations yet to come. Who said it's all about me anyway? Maybe it's about the next generation. Yeah. I'm constantly asked, why would you do it? Why would you go on? Why would you have children? If you even knew there was a threat or a risk. And I often think, what am I really being asked? And I think what I'm possibly am being asked is, how did you choose between convenience and legacy? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Legacy wins every time, hands down. Yeah. In mine and your world, but not in the world at large. Then they're blind. Yeah. Because it is about the next generation. Absolutely. See, we're, we're blazing the trail for somebody. I love this when our youngest, Connor, our only son, he was learning how to ski. We were up in Big Sky in uh, Montana. And my brother and his family have a place up there. And so it was his first time up on the slopes. And I shouldn't have known what slope they were on because it was one Connor should not have been on. And my brother just turned around to him and said, uh, follow my tracks home. And I thought, wow, that's how we should be living. Yeah. We say to our children, follow my tracks. And the cool thing is, at some point, we stop because of the sunset years of our life. And they move forward from where we stopped to mm -hmm. go and do even greater things than we've done. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. I love legacy. We can talk about that because I, I think there is... In the Western world, there is not the kind of focus on that as there is in many other parts of the world. We don't think about succession. We don't think about legacy. We don't think about our children, uh, their their starting place being not where we started. You know, I, I hear I hear parents and grandparents say, "Well, you just need to, you know, you need to do what I did and start out doing this, this, and this." And I'm like, I don't want my kids to begin where I started. I want them to begin where I left off i want them wherever i finished that's their ground zero and so legacy is about to me passing on values passing on experiences passing on vision passing on possibility because i want my children to think beyond even the scope of my ability to to dream and to have vision for what god's put in my life 
So I, I, legacy is a big deal that needs to be talked about more. I think you should write a book on that, actually. <laughs> okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, you and I love not only talking to people who share our faith, but we love the marketplace. We love oh, the corporate yes, we world. So let's talk about this for a minute. Henry Ford, when he passed on his business to his descendants, right? Yep. Did he say, okay, guys, let's level the place, start all over. Let's see what you can do. No, he did that not. That would be crazy. Yeah. Rockefellers, they didn't do the same thing. I mean, let's let's think about it. Why would we do that? Why would we say, hey, kids, we hope you figure it out. Yeah. Hey, we hope you figure out, you know, if you want to serve God or not. Yeah. No. Um, the Shema, the Deuteronomy, where it talks about that we teach our children walking, standing, sitting, laying down. We, we teach them 24-7. What? A way that not only has enriched our lives, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe we as, a, as adults haven't settled in what we believe. And yeah. so what do we pass on? Unbelief to our children. Yes. Cynicism. The other thing I want to say, too, about the whole idea of legacy, you must be a visionary in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said to you one day it hit me, who said it's all about me? Who said it's even about all my children? It could be about that next generation beyond my kids. Right. Uh, this is one thing I found out too. I find it interesting when parents say, well, you know, I'm only going to have uh, one and a half kids. Isn't that the stat right now or whatever? How that happens, I don't <laughs> I'm, know. I'm trying to figure out how that works yeah, exactly. I, I don't get it either. But anyway, you know, because it might interrupt my lifestyle. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't. Get This is one thing I'm starting to see more and more. We're so selfish. It's all about us, our moment, our season, our pleasure. And I'm not asking us to be irresponsible, but I am saying, could there be more than just you and your own agenda? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Legacy, I would offer that legacy, you're going to leave a legacy. The question is, sure. what legacy will you leave? Good point. Will you leave a legacy of negativity and, and an attitude of impossibilities? Will you leave a, a legacy of poverty or poverty mindset? Will you leave a legacy of, of uh, faith? You know, I, you talk about choices. That, too, is a choice. And by default, if you choose not to leave a legacy of hope and faith and prosperity and blessing and pro- all those things, then by default, you're choosing to leave a legacy that will potentially, potentially, uh, cause great disadvantage and maybe even uh, paralyze your children, your grandchildren from becoming what they could have been had you chosen differently. So true. You know, I'm trying to bite my tongue because I really, with when we talk about choices, I want to get into my newest book that I just wrote, and I know we're going to save that for the next show. But when you talk about life being filled with choices, faith is a choice. Yes, it is. But it's not a one-time choice. It's a daily choice. Every day. You know, if you're consumed with fear, let's just talk to the person listening right now who's consumed with fear. Well, where have you put your faith? You've put your faith in sort of a perverted way to everything that could go wrong. Yes. What if it could go right? What if? I, you know, um, you know, a word I can't stand. I think it's the most profane word if I can say it on your show. Sure. You can say anything on this show. Can't. That's, that's not profane, but it's pretty you? ugly. <laughs> Who told you can't? Yeah. And I think that's what we have. We have a lot of fear that we can't live our life the way we want. We can't, you know, do what we want to do. That we, can't be done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just not true. Another one that I despise is the word try. 
I don't, I don't like try either. I, I mean, you know, it's like, I think it was Yoda that said, you know, try not. Hmm. do or do not or something like that, whatever that deal was. But yeah. Well, you know, speaking of words, I love the name of your show because strategy, strategic, uh, that's my word. I had that word first. That's my word. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that was my okay, word. Okay, then we're cut but, from but the I'll same fabric. I'll share it with you <laughs> and you can share it with me. See, people say to me, Gail, do you think God only uses you because you can't see hmm. or that he uses you in a greater way because you can't see? I would hope not. I would hope that my God has no limits and he could use me either way. Yeah. But if this is where I am for this moment, I'm so grateful that he does use me. He's dropped me, as I said, in a, in a visionary world. Well, no, a sighted world yeah. that likes to point and nod, but it's not the same as vision. And, you know, I might say this and just be candid. Are there challenges? Of course. Sure. You know, I've walked out with the wrong man before. I've gotten oh. in the wrong car. I've texted you things that Siri has totally ruined my reputation. <laughs> we um, will not talk about that on this show. I have uh, eaten things that aren't edible. I've talked to people who aren't even there. I've reached out to hug people and I've gotten the wrong body parts before. That's awkward. It's embarrassing. But I keep reaching. I never give up. And yeah. I don't understand why people give up. Give yeah. up to what? And why? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, did you hear the other day I had to go update my... Texas ID. Uh-uh. When I moved here in 2000 in Dallas, I was so pumped, Brian, because I thought, oh, surely this is the town, the city, where even a blind woman could get a driver's license. You know, the drivers <laughs> here are crazy, right? Yes, they are. So I had to go and uh, get my updated ID. I was headed somewhere to speak that week and knew I had to do it pretty fast. So I suggested to Tony, let's go to this little town north of Dallas and we can just have lunch together. It would be fun and we wouldn't have the long lines of all the Dallas people. He said, okay. So sure enough, we get up to this place. There's only five people in line. And I make friends with all of them before it's over. Finally get to the counter. I'm met by one of these incredible, grumpy government agents. You ever met one? (laughs) Several. So anyway, uh, she sort of barks at me that morning. You know, after I said, good morning. Hi, how are you? I said, my name's Gail McWilliams, and I'm here to update my ID. And I said, "Um, my husband's with me. And he'll fill out any forms if I need to fill out forms because I lost my eyesight. And she just barked back like, oh, okay. And I stood there for a moment while she was doing something. And I said, you know, I want to apologize too. I think it's been expired for a while. And she just quickly leaned in and said, how would you even know? And I leaned right back and I said, well, the other day when the cops pulled me over. (laughs) (laughs) She laughed really big. And I had a great friend before it was over. You know, it's funny. You can either be bitter on life or make the most of it. And it's only his grace that helps you make the most of it. Absolutely. I'm sure as, as a number, a great number of people are hearing this program, they're being moved as anyone who hears you speak is moved. Uh, I want to just throw one thing out there and we'll, we'll close this episode out with this thought. So many people, I'll use the word spoiled, or conditioned just to get up every day and not think about how thankful they should be around what they have, their health, their strength, their eyesight, their, you know, a job, whatever it may be. Uh, The people that have the most are the ones that tend to not have the kind of vision you're talking about. It's interesting to me, and it's a blessing to me to see someone like you who 
for whatever reason, we may never know, you you lost your eyesight. But as you said a while ago, that that event in your life actually was the birthplace of vision for you. How can we encourage, as we're closing this episode out, how can we encourage individuals who have everything, supposedly, to to regroup around and rally around the pursuit of real vision beyond the horizon that they, they can see? How can we encourage them? What steps would you encourage them to take to begin to think beyond the horizon? Well, first of all, I would stop and see all that you have and be grateful for it. I think you've overlooked quite a few things. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that you should be grateful for is that you have eyesight, Mm -hmm. that you can go drive today and be mobile. That's a good thing. But I think beyond that is begin to be aware of people around you. Begin to be aware of not only that you have value, but everything you're doing today, the choices you make will impact the next generation. Mm. I think I would live intentionally. And the other thing I would do, I would choose joy. You've got one life. Why would you be a bag of sour grapes? Enjoy life. Make the most of it. And in fact, the joy that I've found is making others enjoy life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving them something, extending a lifeline to them. The other thing I think I would do is really deepen some things within you. What makes you so miserable? What's the payoff for being so miserable? Yeah. What's your payoff for being so negative? You know, have you just become accustomed to it? Do you just sort of like always being the one that's the Debbie Downer? Sorry, Debbie. Or <laughs> are you the one that is the life of the party? I mean, what's the difference? Make a choice. Yeah. Bring something to your world. Continue. I mean, be a giver. Don't be a taker. And in the middle of all of that, too, settle who you'll believe in. And I want to point to Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's always been true. He's always been stable. If you need a door that's open, he is the door. If you need an answer, he is the answer. If you're looking for truth, he is truth. Yes. He's everything that you're seeking. And he is life. And life is a gift. And so enjoy it. And by the way, you know, there's much more to our story. People can get the book Seeing Beyond. Yes. Zig Ziglar did the forward to it. He's the one that insisted what a I write gift it. That is, yeah. So um, it will tell you more. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be encouraged. It's not just about a woman telling about every baby she had but how you too can enjoy and love life in the middle of all of it. And by the way, as I finish up here, Brian, I got to tell you, man, you're looking good. You look younger to me. You You look better than you've ever looked before. See, I'm your best friend. That's right. Now don't wave at me. You'll think I'm stuck up. But other than that, I think it's a pretty good friendship. I love it. I'm so honored and so incredibly blessed by you being here today. And we're going to continue this conversation in part two next week. And for those that are listening right now, uh, you can find more out about Gail at gailmcwilliams.com. And all of her information is there, links to all of her materials, her resources. Uh, if you are a an event coordinator, if you are a company or a church or someone out there that is looking for the kind of speaker that will come in and literally rock every person sitting in the seat with inspiration and hope, Gail is a person that I highly recommend to you. And I, I just say to you, go to gailmcwilliams.com. We'll have links to her website, to her materials in our show notes as well. And we look forward to talking to you again in part two, Gail. Thank you, Brian. Well, I know that uh, that has probably shifted some things in your heart 
And I encourage you to go back and listen to it over and over again. Share this with someone that you love and care about. Maybe you know someone who's going through a a difficult time right now and they need to hear the message that you've heard today. Just email them a link to it. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, etc. Help us get the word out about this wonderful interview with Gail McWilliams. Join us next week for part two. It's going to be incredible. Very quickly here, I want to mention to you that we are about to launch our Ties That Bind online course. Go to brianholmes.com for more information about that. Also, uh, we're going to be launching out or starting our Strategic Living Institute monthly seminar series here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, also in the month of September. Go to brianholmes.com forward slash seminars for more information about that. You can find all the show notes and links we've talked about today at brianholmes.com forward slash zero nine four. Again, subscribe to the weekly updates. Help us get the word out in iTunes. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. And hey, be back here next week for part two of my interview with Gail McWilliams. Until next time, know that you are great. God has called you to greatness and you can do wonderful things in this life. I pray today you're filled with hope. Until next time, take care. Take care.